In today's episode, we discuss the 190kW V6 TDI Volkswagen Amarok and Atlas Tanoke concept, the all-new Toyota RAV4, Hyundai Tucson facelift and Jaguar F-Pace SVR. We also get behind the wheel of the BMW M5. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Car Podcast. I'm your host, Nikesh Kuvaji, and joining me today is our features writer, Wilhelm with Jams. Hi guys. And technical editor, Nickel Lowe. Hi everyone. So today was a busy week because of the uh, Detroit Auto Show. We didn't drive a lot of things, but there's a lot of cars to talk about. Uh, we can't talk about all of them, but these were the biggest stories of the week. And the first of which is the V6 Amarok, which is now getting a power boost. We saw it in a concept they previewed earlier last year, but this new model has the same 3-liter V6 TDI, but now it pushes 190 kilowatts and 580 newton meters of torque, and it's going to be in South Africa by 2019. Nickel, I'm sure you're excited for this one. Very much so. I think the Uber Bucky is the thing to go for these days. But I mean, um, 190 kilowatts, the one that's currently being sold, at an overboost function that would push it to 180 kilowatts mm. uh, for a cup, so like 10 seconds or 15 seconds for overtakes, 190 kilowatts all the time. Um, it's not a lot more, but still, it's a lot for a double cab bucky, you know, especially mm. in the world of X Class and um, Ford Ranger, Raptor. This is putting it out there. I think uh, there's going to be a, a power race, almost like an arms race between the double cab. Bucky. So yeah, interesting to see. I think uh, there will be people that's power hungry that will go f uh, for this type of, of, of Bucky and it'll be interesting to get one to, to test. Yeah, I mean a power race for Bucky is a bit interesting, don't you think, Lola? Um Interesting and ridiculous probably, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I agree. It's um, it's very clever of Amarok and VW, of, of um, VW to keep the Amarok at the top and um, with the likes of the newcomers mm. to say, okay, we just increase the power mm. talk a bit and just keep it the, currently the most powerful one. Mm. I mean, it's still got a way to go until it catches up with the American pickups in terms of yeah, power. Yeah. But uh, when I drove the V6 Amarok, I was, I was definitely surprised by the speed. Even mm. though on paper it doesn't look like a lot for, mm. for a normal car, I think when you're sitting behind the wheel of a bucky, you realize, wait, this thing can do 0 to 100 in under 8 seconds. Yeah. This is intimidating, but we'll see when it gets here. Nicol, you think this is something you'll take to Namibia sometime, maybe? At high speed, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I think it's an amazing vehicle to take to Namibia. And uh, obviously on dune driving as well. I mean, we know mm. for a fact that uh, petrol buckies are the best for, for dune driving, high revving uh, engines and, and big kilowatts. But now we're getting big kilowatts from diesel engines. So And with a 8-speed auto gearbox, they might actually be do very well in the dunes. I, I wouldn't mind experiencing something like this in the dunes. But yeah, I think you buy these buckies not for the power. You buy it to say, I've got the V6 and you haven't. I've got more power than you type of thing. So uh, they will be very expensive. I mean, we're talking about 800,000 Rand now for these kind of buckies. This yeah. will probably be pushing a bit more than that, which is ridiculous considering it's a commercial vehicle now intended for family use. But um, hey, it uh, it draws clicks at the moment. It sells magazines. A lot of people talk about it around the bra, so why not? Yeah. In addition to this, VW uh, revealed a bucky that's quite interesting. It's called the Atlas Tanoke, I believe it's pronounced. It's based on the Atlas SUV that you get in the States currently. But the most interesting thing for me in this bucky is that it comes with a 206 kilowatt VR6 engine. 
3.6 liters. <laughs> so that sounds like a lot of fun. It's just getting more and more ridiculous. <laughs> so with this Bucky, uh, VW says they do not have any plans to build it, but they are very interested to see what possible buyers think of it. And our comments on the site have been, uh, you know, before you get to the comments, yeah. just one thing, it's also built on MQB, MQB platform. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's not a ladder frame chassis, this is a, a Bucky concept um, yeah, um, on, on MQB, which we know for, for a fact is one of the best platforms out there for, for golf and uh, a lot of uh, front-wheel drive uh, VWs use it. So is this thing front-wheel drive then? Do you know? It would probably be front-wheel drive based, but it is full motion. Full, full, full motion. Yeah. So yeah, interesting. It looks the part, looks very futuristic. I wonder what the farmers out there will say of a unibody Bucky and not a ladder frame, which is known for carrying capability and so yeah. on. Obviously your unibody is more known for comfort and, and therefore used in passenger cars and also for better space utilization. So mm. maybe a Bucky with a unibody will be very spacious inside. Uh, I don't know for durability and loading some sheep in the back, but let's <laughs> see. Uh, yeah, so our comment section, it, uh, there's a lot of comparisons to the X-Class. Dennis uh, Molapo, sorry, he says, wow, it really surprised me positively, of course. It looks way better than the X-Class. Willem, do you agree there? You like this design? Let's compare it to the X-Class concept, first of all. Well, I think the X-Class concept was great, but then the production car came out yeah. and it wasn't as concept ish as we expected True. but no no i agree this 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 vw looks great the chrome around the exhaust the wheels um if this some of this can filter through to the next amarok i think it will be a winner but there's there's one concept bucky that looks better than this mm -hmm. and also had loads of click on our websites you know hope they will eventually bring into production which was our april's fool's joke the the audi bucky yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was actually the front end of the rq8 but yeah imagine that though when i when i looked at that and you see all the comments mm. uh, as april fool so if you read that story unfortunately audi hasn't really confirmed the bucky yet but it's it's, it's not a yeah we were discussing it it's very it's plausible not, not far yeah, if you think they can build it on the amarok platform yeah and um, that face on that bucket would look tremendous, would I think. Too difficult. So, uh, yeah. Even more luxurious interior. Mm. Audi MMI and... Yeah, we'll see. Uh, additional to that, another comment on this is, Concept photo always looks very nice. The X-Class was very impressive until production. As long as this is close to the production model, thumbs up, it's a beauty. So they, a lot of people agreeing with you there, Bolelum. Andre Van Reyna says the photo is already too expensive. Don't want to know how much this Bucky would cost. Well, like I said, it's not going into production, but they'll see. This is obviously a Bucky aimed at the American market. Yeah. I don't think this is, they, there's a quite a bit of uh, unibody Bucky's in the States, isn't there? I think they got the Honda Ridge line is one of them. So yeah, we'll see. I doubt that VR6 will make it into the final. No, probably but, not. No. Uh, Probably a bigger car than that in terms of popularity was definitely the Toyota Rav4. I think this is one of our most read stories apart from our April Fool's one. The new one is inspired by the FTAC concept. Uh, it shares the TNGA platform with the new Oris and the new CHR uh, crossover. In this model, they've sort of altered that dimensions a bit. It's shorter, it's lower, it's wider, and they've increased the, the ground clearance by 13 millimeters. Uh, Nickel, you were on the last launch for the RAV4, I believe. Um, what do you make of this one compared to that in terms of styling? 
I think the styling is the big talking point of this car. We all know the RAV is uh, very popular. I mm -hmm. think it's the, the it's a vehicle in that segment that sells the most numbers each month in South Africa. And uh, as we know, Toyota is known for durability and all all that um, service net wide service network. But yeah, let's let's be frank. Uh, design on Toyota's uh, not not the greatest. Mm -hmm. is, people tend to think them as uh, as boring vehicles, and then. Toyota released the CHR, which looks completely different and modern. And mm -hmm. people think maybe Toyota is, is on a, is, an, is changing the the outlook on design. And looking at Rav4, definitely this definitely looks a, a step up in the fact that it's definitely out there. It's more aggressive. You look at the front grille. I mean, when you when you see a new car, you always like compare it to other competitors. And it's got a bit of Subaru styling in here. There's a lot of different others, but yeah, yeah I think it's it's cut a, a different niche here. Sorry it's to interrupt, then do you guys think there's a bit of Jeep as well above the wheel Jeep Cherokee. above the wheel arches? Mm, yeah. But I think that's it. always the thing. It's true. Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. see different cars, but it, it what it also tells you it looks completely different to the outgoing RAV. Yeah, um, and um, I've also looked at some of the comments on on the story, and people tend to really like the new design. I think it's fifty fifty though, eh? Because I've also read a lot of negative comments, but we'll get to that now in a minute. Um, so this one, local engines haven't been confirmed, but we will be seeing it by the second half of twenty nineteen. Uh, what are your comments on on this Rafa? You think this engines are going to make a big difference? It's probably going to retain the. What's it? Two point four liter diesel. Yeah, and the and the petrol, if mm. I'm not mistaken. What do you? Yes, no, no. I, I like the exterior. If if you look at the interior as well, they've got the this separate screen infotainment system. It's neat. Um, yeah. Probably some fake wood, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. I think it's been it's been such a highlight or such a good selling car up to now. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the original one that really stood the out at the base. time. Yeah. yeah, that was really almost revolutionary at the time. One of the earlier SUVs. So no, I hope it does well for them. I really do. I like the styling. I think it, it really takes to me. Uh, I think this, the Aorus CHR, Aorus was a bit 50-50 as well with regards to styling. A lot of people didn't like that, but I think that on it all. And I like that the cars that they're coming out with, it's not uh, cookie cutting. No, Each of the new models have looked very distinctive. That's true. Different to one another. Um, comment section for this has been interesting. Uh, Julius Mogomotsi says, New Mercedes-Benz lights, Subaru Forester body, Ford Tribbings a total mess. Uh, yeah, that's harsh. an interesting comment. I think the sales will differ from that. I think yeah. it will sell quite a few of It'll probably still be the highest selling. Um, Devald Trotsky says, hopefully the models to be launched in SA won't be stripped down in spec levels by Toyota South Africa. Likewise, the current CHR still find it difficult to understand to strip it down and then upgrade when the models don't sell. Four full stops, three question marks. Um, yeah, I, th I think the problem with Toyota is they try to launch it at a, at a good price. Yeah. And to launch it at a good price, you have to take some of the fancy stuff out that some of the European vehicles are launched, like the big screens and the, all the full leather and all the safety systems, sometimes there's adaptive cruise control, all these things that, mm. that cost a lot of money. So they try to launch it at a decent price, but then 
yeah, as the, as the comment there says, if they don't sell in the numbers they expect and they sort of throw in a few goodies and yeah. see if it sells better. But it just is, I think it's not just the auto, it's a concern for many manufacturers. What specification of vehicle do they bring in? Yeah, it's true. I think with the CHR, the big thing was the airbags. They took out some of them, only left two in. Uh, and Nelly Ekstad, I hope I pronounce your surname properly, she says, Lexus backside, I agree actually, it does look a lot like the big Lexus at the back. And they really need to work on the interior of their cars. CHR is so stunning outside, but the inside looks like my granny's Toyota. Ah, <laughs> not sure if I agree with that comment. Um, that is a bit harsh. But yeah, we'll have a good look at that car when it gets here in the second half of 2019. Another crossover that has been revised is the Hyundai Tucson. Not a lot different here, but this is a popular car for South Africans. I think they sell about 500 a month. So this would be a very important update for them. And what we see here is new LED headlamps and tail lamps, but most significantly there's this cascading grill, which I think really looks very awkward on this car. I don't know what you guys make of it. It sort of, sort of tapers towards the bottom. Yeah, it's a bit like Infinity's grill. Yeah, yeah. Or, or even Audi to some extent. Yeah. They had the Audi grill with the trapezoidal but this has more but I, I mean i think when i look at the photographs here in front of me it looks a bit sleeker than the outgoing model and maybe yeah. they want to almost make the vehicle look more upmarket yeah. than before and i think they they sort of got it right in, in that sense it looks a bit more expensive just looking at it visually and uh, they talk about also a, a premium sound system that will be installed so there's a few other, other. I would like to see the interior as well, what they've done with that. I mean, page. let's be honest, when you drive the Tucson, it it reminds you of like a Santa Fe. It's, it's yeah. spacious, yeah. it rides very well, yeah. the engines yeah. are great, so yeah. Right I'm just looking at the interior now and, and there it's also clear to see. I, I think the, from interior point of view, the VW group is probably ahead, if you think about yeah. the one and um, also in an upmarket in, in Audi but this sort of sort of getting there it is they're trying I mean cutting their own path but it looks very much luxurious and upmarket yeah so like we said it gets a, a premium sound system and a QI standard wireless charger which only a few people can use that have wireless charging capable phones um, and some revisions to the cabin with the interior I think I don't think Grey is probably the right opposite to use for a lot of for this cabin. Light grey. Yeah, it makes it look quite flat. Mm. I'm just worried about kids. But kids. This is leather, right. so it will clean easily. But uh, light, light, light uh, leather is never a, a great thing. If I don't have to worry about that. To keep it on. Yeah, you, you wear jeans, and even jeans can actually. Uh, yeah, with head leather especially. Um, got some comments with this as well. James Webster says the previous interior was its weakness. New one looks good, and now on par with its competitors. Yeah, okay, I guess I can, it's definitely stepped up, but I don't see much of a difference between this and the current model. It's probably slight revisions. Well, was there that um, separately standing mm -hmm. infotainment system that's before? That's that's that new. must that be new. new. So that's, that's significant. Uh, JL Lubisi says launched nine months ago. It's been facelifted already. Um, it's a bit of an early facelift, but this is very slight, so I don't yeah. think it's that much of a big deal on the last comment here candy bjorn says i'm in the market for a brand new car and my mind is set on the new vw tiguan now this beauty has caught my eye anyone have any suggestions on what 
else I can look at in that segment, car magazine, anybody. Well, Candy, good news. We give all the information on our website and in our magazine. So if you need some information there, just have a look on the site. We just had our top 12 as well. That's good. And, uh, March uh, issue. Yeah. So yeah, get that, your hands on that issue. And even on our website, it's covered as well. Where we look at all the different categories and choose the best vehicle in each category. But the SUV, this this size vehicle, there's so many competitors yeah. out there. It is actually a very it's difficult decision. So yeah. pricing also comes into it. What do you get for your money? And the last SUV where uh, pricing doesn't really play an issue, I guess, is the Jaguar F-Pace SVR. I guess this is a car we all knew was coming. They fitted Jaguar's 5-liter V8 supercharged engine in here. It pushes 405 kilowatts and 680 newton meters. This gives it a 0 to 100 time of 4.3 seconds and a top speed of 283. It's funny now when we see a performance car and we see a top speed that's nowhere near 300 k's, we think, guys, oh, sorry, not that fast, eh? But uh, yeah, Valerian, what do you think of this one? No, like you say, we knew it was coming. Um, and it's there to take on the... McCann. Yes, um, they say McCann, but shouldn't it be Cayenne? No, I don't think so. I think this is more uh, McCann X3 style Okay, size. all yeah. right. So, yeah, I think uh, my big, big, big problem with Jaguar and Land Rover is when they talk about the aluminium... Aluminium lightweight. Uh, lightweight. Yeah. This car is going to be so heavy. Um, but... Besides that, I mean, it looks good. Um, SUVs, sport SUVs, there is. Do you really want to sit high and go fast? No, no, but I mean, let's be honest, as as a daily driver, it's very comfortable. But but there, I like the the Range Rovers because they they sort of nice cruises and that sound is just from that V8 is brilliant. But this, I think they want to actually have throw in a bit of dynamics as well, being Jaguar F-Base. But now you sit with a high center of gravity and you talk about 280 kilometers per hour, not fast. That's very fast the cash <laughs> for an fast. SUV. Yeah, and you, you, if you're coming up to a bend at 280 and you need to slam on the brakes and I'll turn in, uh, I'm a bit worried and I'm sitting here in the office. Yeah, well, I mean, they've got uh, increased brake to size, yeah? 395 in the front, only bigger at the rear with 396. And it's got the all-wheel drive system that you get in the uh, F-Type SVR. That's the important. Active differential. Um, I mean, we know what this is going to sound like. It's going to sound like it's going it, to be small loud. fire. Pretty yeah. much. It's going to scare the kids. Uh, oddly though, I don't know if this is going to be enough to keep up with uh, the GLC 63 and uh, especially that Stalvo QB. It's pushing 375 kilowatts. So it will be very close. You think so? Yeah. Um, the comments for this one, quite a few. Bradley Watson says, Thought the F-Pace was a Cayenne rival, and E-Pace more McCann-sized, not exact. I know, I know, but you can't switch your competing categories as you please. Well, Bradley, I think this is always aimed against the, the McCann. The Cayenne is a bit bigger, it's along the X5 and, mm. you know, the GLE. But but I always that he's got a point because I think some of these vehicle categories are so blurred now. It's getting very blurred. There's, there's so many, I mean different ones and they will claim a, a size mm. and it is a lot to do with cost as well because where are they going to price this thing yeah um, so they need to aim, aim for, a, for a price bracket as well and this will be expensive there's no way this is going to be what would you guess be on this huh? 1.5 1.7 six, six. no but yes, if you look at f-type svr that's what 2.3 so, so, so now at least 2 million. million do you think yeah, 2 million i think it's going to be 2 million 
It's a lot of money. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, Vuyo says GLC 63 AMG any day. I probably have to agree with him, eh? That 40 to V8 in the AMG is it's lovely. probably one of my favorite engines. And the Formatic system also works really well. The GLC is going to be something to be reckoned with. Uh, personally, though, based on what I've read, I'd probably go Stelvio QV. Nicole, you. No, I, I, I want a, a fast car to be low center of gravity and a low Okay, we're talking car. in this segment. Yeah, then, then I just something the loudest possible because obviously you don't want to go, you don't really want to go fast, you just want to make an impression. So it needs to look nice and sound yeah. nice and be comfortable. I think that's the main criteria. Ndumi uh, Kumalo says, so much power it makes your range over SVR seem like it is unnecessary, but I think the power figure is similar. With it. Very similar, yeah. And it's the same engine. Speaking of which, we had the performance shootout with that car in three years ago, right? That's true. I mean, that thing could, that thing did all right. I managed yeah, to keep uh, up with uh, you in the F-Type. It was wet. <laughs> <laughs> it was early, still waking up. Yeah, on occasion, you, you can drive a bit. But yeah, I still I still think for a luxury SUV, the Range Rover is one that will always make a good impression yeah. wherever it goes. And with that soundtrack, and it's comfortable. I, I want to see if we drive this F-Pace if they've given up a lot of the ride to be sort of dynamic, which mm. I think is going to be missing the point slightly, because you're never going to throw this around a mountain pass, but you still want to give that feeling of performance and the soundtrack. And uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see, let's, let's wait for it. There will be buyers for it out there, um, people wanting to make a statement, and uh, well, let's see. On that point though, I, I would, if you're looking for space and speed, I still feel the performance station wagon is the way to go. More so than SUV. And it answers um, Nichols' problem or solves it about sitting low to the ground. Yeah. yeah. The, the fact that station wagons haven't taken off. Yeah. Well, it's South Africans hate station wagons. Yeah. We know that. I never understand it. But, anyways, uh, speaking of speed, well, you drove something very fast yes. last week. Let, tell me, us what it is. let me tell you about it. So, finally, BMW's new M5, its code name is G30, has arrived in South Africa. And yes, I mean, on the one side, there was no surprises. It is quick, mm. it's capable, it's fast, and it's got all-wheel drive that, now. That's what we want to know, all-wheel yeah. drive. Has it blunted the real-wheel drive dynamics? No, no, so I'll actually skip my driving impression and tell you about, I don't know how to pronounce his name correctly, but it's Gennaro, and his surname is Bonafide. Yeah, Bonafide, yeah, yeah. yeah. GTC driver. Yes, so he, um, races for BMW, I guess he's about 25, very, very young, but he, he can drive fast. <laughs> he, um, he took us for hot laps and the first lap was in all-wheel drive mode and he drifted the car. And I know drifting is not the Alfa and Omega of, of, of driving cars, yeah. but the point is it was on Kailami and um, then the second lap he switched the ESP off and put it in rear-wheel drive. And the drifts and just how capable and how small, how the car almost shrink when he was behind the wheel. Um, it's still luxurious, it's still um, comfortable, but you've, you've got an immense amount of power and torque, good brakes, and um, now more than ever before, you don't have rear-wheel drive, just re with the all-wheel drive, you can just plant it earlier mm. out of corners. With the previous one, the ESP light would have it was flashed. As well. Yes, so 
very impressive. So it's actually much more usable. I mean, we talked about it before. If we get to your 400 kilowatts, then real drive is a problem, getting the, the power down. I mean, you need perfect road conditions. You need your rubber to be, be, yeah. be heated up. And um, E63S, we had a shootout as well, they made the first jump in this category uh, to go four-wheel drive. Well, I'd say ID6. But yeah, I mean, but for, 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 from, from real-wheel drive, drive, drive to, yeah. to all-wheel drive. And the, we know Audi is known for their Quattro systems. And we talked about it now that the, the other two um, uh, manufacturers are almost beating the Quattro in the yes. way that they're implementing it because we're getting to... Uh, massive rear-wheel drive bias four-wheel yeah, drive systems. Um, so that's where you say that you could still drift yeah, it in yeah. four-wheel drive, but it just gives you the confidence as a mere mortal road driver mm -hmm. that if it's the conditions are not perfect, you can still plant it mm -hmm. and it won't throw you rearwards through an edge. No, no, you're right. It is just like BMW, Mercedes-Benz have sort of taken the concept and just yeah, improved it. And, and Audi sort of stayed the same, the same, the same, um, because these cars are still... Like you say, you, you can drive it, the normal guy can drive it, you'll feel confident. And if you really can want to, or I suggest when you buy a car like this, yes, just take it for a few laps on Kyle Lamy with mm. someone to, to, to understand it. If you're speaking about those those big three, and I mean, without a doubt, there's definitely going to be a, a competitive test when we get this, hopefully. Um, personally, I think the RSX just caters to a completely different clientele. I don't think they have an intention to compete with M5 and E63S. But with that being said, we know that the M5 beats the E63S on, uh, e on pricing, but based on what you've experienced, do you think it's a, a better yes, product? Yes, it will be very close. I mean, the, I think the E63 is, to a sense, maybe more a bit brutal. Mm. It's louder, it's, it's more in your face. The M5 is actually very, very polished. Okay. Uh, even in terms of engine sound when you sit on the inside I'm, I'm sure the E63 from what I remember from performance shootout it, it's it's way louder yeah. um, but on a mountain pass it will be difficult but on track I was very impressed with the M5 I just want to talk about the, the performance uh, figures here I mean claim 0 to 100 in 3.4 seconds which is now due to the, the 4 wheel drive system mm. we always struggled with BMs to get even close to 4 because yeah. it just spins up and blue smoke and a lot of, a lot of expensive rubber gone and uh, this now 3.4 seconds which is basically the claim of E63S as well if I remember correctly and we're talking about 441 kilowatts. That's in old terms 600 horsepower. Which is the same as the competition back then. Yeah, but I'm just thinking we're getting ridiculous with the power in, in sedans now. Mm -hmm. um, 441 kilowatts, 750 newton meters of torque. Well, 3.4 is 0.1 second off of what we got, not 200 with a McLaren 650S. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> but that was my second question for Adam. I see this is probably because of the torque, but they ditched the dual clutch for a torque converter? Yes, it doesn't have the um, DCT, that's right. Uh, yeah. Personally, I didn't really like the DCT in the M5 when I drove it, so... The, this gearbox felt really fine. Um, mm. uh, it, it seems like there's a not a move away from double clutch, but Nickel, maybe you would know, but the, I, I didn't like... Ex felt like oh the gears shifting are slow or anything no, not at all everyone has come out with the conscious decision to shift away from dual clutches yeah, i think mainly because of the torque figures that these cars are pushing yeah, that's that's one reason another reason is the torque converters are getting so quick now yeah. and so efficient and uh, what also what is also good with a torque converter is in a luxury car like this um for especially for your pull away conditions is a lot smoother mm. 
the dual clutches used to be quite a bit jerky when you pull away and like well a, a car, car park maneuvers and stuff is very jerky where the, where the torque converter which fluid coupling is very much more refined it's easier to modulate and um, I mean, even when I spoke to a Jaguar engineer, they said they'll never go dual clutch because their clientele, they want that smoothness of operation. But I think the, the, the torque converters are now getting so fast that people are, you're not losing any time now with the changing gears. So you sort of get the best of both worlds now, especially with, with your E-Class and, and 5 Series or M5. Yeah. That's a kind of luxury. We still want comfort. I think M3, M4, um, there's still a place for a DCT there. You want your brutal gear shifts, mm. there, you're knocking. Each time you, you hit a gear, you want that feeling of, of, of being hit from behind almost. And you'll give up some of the, the park, car park refinement to get that absolute uh, crisp gear shifts uh, at speed. But yeah, this class of car, torque converter, I think is not a bad choice. Well, on that point, I mean, if we look at Nürburgring, Nürburgring lap times, we see all the top cars are torque converters. QB Stalvio, that Jaguar SV uh, XE, that's got an HP torque converter. So it seems like it's a battle of the transmissions now. But anyways, that's all we have time for today. Nice and short episode. Um, not many drives this week. That's the reason. And uh, thanks for joining us, guys. We will see you again next week. Cool. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.